everybody. Welcome to our show. I'm Liz. And I'm Taylor. This is a podcast for and about the town we love. And now we're talking Darian. Hello and welcome. Today is January 12th and welcome to a new year with Now We're Talking Darianne. Woohoo! Big year. Another full year. Taylor and I have got a sweet lineup coming your way. We're going to hit all different buckets this year like we've been trying to do, but things from you know personal notes, health notes, um, philanthropy, small business, big business, even things out of the 06820 zip code done by residents in here or that affect residents here. So we're really trying to hit it all this year and we're starting it off with commercial development and real estate. Woohoo! Exciting. That's right. Yeah. Today we've got Patrick McMahon and Stuart Beal coming in from Federal Realty to talk about their project that's happening on the Heights Road. I'm sure all of you have seen it, and I'm sure you're all eager to hear about how it's coming along and when it's going to be open for business. Yes. But before we do that, we have another big announcement for 2022, which is we are now advertising. That's right, Taylor. <laughs> we are advertising. And I'm excited to tell you guys about a local company called Lighthouse Moving. They're the newest moving furniture delivery service in town. And the best part, created by two guys who grew up in town who love getting back to the community they grew up in. One of them is your nephew, right? Yep. One of them is my nephew. I'm so proud of them. Yep. They have five years of experience now in this business. Um how they work, professionally wrap furniture thoroughly to protect it from damage during transportation. And as a small growing company, they can move full small houses or apartments up to two bedrooms in size. Uh, the other beauty about these guys, which is really my sweet spot that I'm loving here, is they provide other services like junk removal, uh, staging, storage unit organization, uh, even small moves within the house. You have to move a table across the remote to the upstairs. Um, they do small touch-up projects, furniture building, mounting of TVs, picture frames, mirrors, even small carpentry stuff. I mean, fantastic, right? Organizational mom's dream. That's a huge value or not so organized mom's dream. I mean, really, like when you, you know, you run across that table at some sale somewhere and you can't fit it in your car, like call these guys. That's huge to have that in your back pocket. It's a local business. You know, I, I love that. And it's two guys you can trust that are good guys and they're, they're doing you right. They're doing you right and doing the town right. So I really, we really stand by these guys. We love them. And uh, we really, like I said, stand by them. So if you're interested, um, contact them by calling or texting 203-979-3214. Again, that's 203-979-3214 or email LLC at gmail.com. And if you mention the code NWTD, you'll receive 10% off your first move with them. That's some sweet action right there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and we got more sweet action coming your way. Here we go with Federal Realty, Patrick McMahon and Stuart Beal. Here we go. Gentlemen, welcome into the studio. Thank you for having us. Great to be here. Yeah, great to be here. All right. Yeah, it was great to have you here. I mean, Darian has a lot of questions for you boys, as you probably know. Hopefully right? we got answers. Okay. Yes, <laughs> yes. We're going to get to those answers. We're going to dig deep today. Um, but this, so... Um, we're really looking forward to you being here, honestly, because this project's been going on uh, on Heights Road, right there across from Roten train station. And, uh, you know, everyone's driving by. It's one of the main venues in town, main arteries. So people want to know what's happening, when's it happening, who's coming, how many people are coming, who's behind the project. And we have you two guys. So maybe the easiest way to do is start off so people hear your voices and they know who you are, what your job is, what your title is, and what your role is maybe in the project. Great. Sure. I'll kick it off. Uh, I'm Stuart Beal. I'm the SVP of leasing. I run our merchandising and, and uh, retail and office leasing um, across uh, our specialty and lifestyle properties, uh, sort of Boston through Miami. I've okay. been with Federal for 16 years, working with Patrick for, I don't know, eight, something like that. So um, we're going on nine. We are yeah. your lifestyle market in Darien? Uh, specialty, lifestyle, tenancy, okay. um, you know, mi uh, mixed use development. It's got uh, obviously a retail component, which kind of 
gives it a little bit of a different flavor in terms of how we handle the retail. So that those types of properties are what we handle. Taylor, he's always throwing out big buzzwords. We're going to have to break those down. <laughs> we can do like a glossary or a yeah. you know, definition. Hang on yeah, here. Sure. This is like your world with ARV. Yeah, yeah, I'm, like, yeah. I'm just going to sit back and let you drive. <laughs> All right. Uh, Patrick McMahon, I've been at Federal going on nine years now, SVP of development uh, for the Northeast. And specifically, I work with Stu on the mixed-use properties in the Northeast, so the, 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 the planning, the design, the construction of what we do across really kind of New Jersey up. Okay, so like, yeah, talk dumb to us. What is a mixed-use property? Why mixed-use and what, why Darien? Well, I mean, simply a mixed-use property is a combination of, of different commercial uses uh, or residential uses. So in our world, that's office, residential, retail. Um, our projects always are retail-based. We're a retail company, um, and that's the backbone. Um, but we've uh, added a lot of residential uh, lately in office where it's, uh, you know, appropriate. Um, and that's really, you know, one of Patrick's expertise is, is on that side. Um, and this site felt like it was um, ripe for, you know, with, with the commuting, the, the train right there and um, the size and scale of it to have, you know, the right scale residential mixed in with our, with our retail. So we have all three types of properties in there, right? Yeah, there's there's some existing office, obviously, above city as well. Uh, yeah, so let's frame out like the dimensions of the property, which properties you own and where it's framed out. Like, sure. Like I said, across from Neurotin, but... Sure. Yep, yeah. So we've got about nine acres in total. So the old Stop and Shop site that I'm sure everybody in town remembers and uh, where Walgreens and Stop and Shop are located. Sure. Uh, the Chase Bank, actually all the way out on the corner of Neurotin and Heights, uh, we own that. The Equinox we own. The Citibank building we also own. Uh, the building in which Vivala's is located. Uh, the project itself, though, so I, I just gave you all the properties that we own that we're not redeveloping right now or repositioning. Mm-hmm. It, it really is the old stop and shop site, which is about seven and a half acres in total, which includes the Walgreens. So we're going to add about 75,000 square feet of new retail space there with 122 residential units above. So two, two stories of resi over one story of retail. Okay, we're going to get, I want to break that down. Sure. Wow. But wait, back up a second. How long have you guys owned this? Because I feel like we've been talking about these, de- These, you know, we've got three developments going on in town. You guys probably, you know, we got the sure. Corporate District, we had David Genovese come in and talk about what's happening in the, the true downtown Darien. Yep. And now, you know, this is Neurotin Heights. This is like a second downtown for a lot of people. And anyone outside of Darien doesn't really realize that. We kind of have a second little more residential, a quieter neighborhood. And you guys are doing this. And on the other side, there's a big Palmer's development. Palmer's. So they're happening kind of simultaneously in a way. But we've been talking about this for what? Five years, ten years? I feel like we've been talking about like fifteen, but and yes. how does a project like that get started? Do you have to buy up all of the little properties and then finally you can start? How does that work? So we bought the property uh, all and and all of all the properties I just I actually just listed. Uh, we bought all of them, but the building in which Vivala sits back in 2014. So you may recall, and certainly people who were around then recall that Tom Golden was a property development and owner, landlord here in Fairfield County and actually across Connecticut. He sold us um, his estate, rather, he had passed. And so his estate uh, sold the land back in, yeah, it was 2014. How much did that go for? Are you allowed to reveal? uh, I gotta look that up. I actually... I should know that answer. Really? It's certainly public. It's definitely so I'm, public. Okay. It's definitely public. I'm not actually evading the question. Yeah, yeah. I should know the answer. I don't recall. You know, 2014 <clears> was a good <throat> year, though. I feel like it was a lower price if you bought that in 2021. Woo. A lot different. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Okay, a whole sorry. lot different. Right. A whole lot different. Post-COVID, no question. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, so 2014. Yep. And to Taylor's question, yeah, like you've been wondering this a while, why, like how you piecemeal this all together, right? How and I'm looking at this map, too, and wondering, like, this, this front development, the L-shaped one in the front that's sort of... Is that where Vivalas is now, or is Cor- that they sit right behind in this area here? So they're they're shown right here off. Vivalas so, is like yeah, 
Yes. Okay, so you're yeah. putting in buildings where there are none now. Correct. Right. Okay. Correct. So the, the buildings in which Vols is in now is going to remain. So okay. Tool Chase and the Citibank building and Equinox as well. So none of that is actually part of the development that's under construction right now. Interesting. So there's a whole lot of new yeah, stuff it's, it's coming. It's like the construction took over what was the stop and shop and parking. It was a lot of just dead the space. Lot, exactly. Right? It was a stop and shop in Walgreens. That's so where's exactly the parking right. going to go now? So the the parking, in, and certainly the listener is not going to be able to see the site plan that we're all looking at, but the, par- the parking is going to go in between the two new buildings okay. that are under construction. So there's a bar-shaped building along west and then an L-shaped building that sits behind Vivala's on Heights. So the parking for the retailers is, is going to go in between those buildings and in between the Equinox. The parking for the residential is all below grade. So oh, you, okay. you won't, but, sounds- but for the entrance to the, the residential garage, you won't see the residential parking at all. It's all below grade, mm-hmm. which is why they're, you know, just like Genovese, why we spent, you know, nine months digging a hole in the earth. And, right. and while it didn't look like anything was actually happening, it was because we were down below grade building out the parking garage. Oh, that's right. good. I'm glad to know that there is, you know, subgrade parking. Um, yes. Yeah. Because right. it, it felt like if you're going to take some of this land and build on it, then we're losing parking, right? So that's no doubt. great to hear. From the retail customer standpoint, it's a very straightforward parking field <clears throat> at, a, at a great ratio. It's a, it's a very easy place to park. It's actually one of, I think, the, the better parts of our design is is the convenience is, is huge there. In terms good of to know. Access, parking getting from your car to the, to that the makes a retailers. Big difference. Mm-hmm. So tell me like, you know, that kind of brings a question to me, like, you know, what your goals was like, you know, convenient parking. What was one of the goals of this project for federal? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we always, when we're looking at these projects, the main goal is delivering sort of what the community wants, right? Cause our, our two constituents are going to be the retailers and the, and the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are the two people we're, we're really creating the project for, um, obviously, you know, for our shareholders as well. But, and the good news is those successes are linked, right? If, if the community responds well to the retailers, they're going to spend money there and the retailers should be successful. So it's a pretty quick reaction to whether we've succeeded or not on both fronts. Right. Um, so what do you think the community wants? So, I, I, you know, Equinox was a, was a big backbone here. We really wanted to, to kind of work around that daily needs draw. Sure. Um, and, and when we're building new projects, often getting that sort of muscle memory of people coming to a site is a challenge. And you're, in it, you know, people are used to their routines. And what's nice about this site is between Walgreens and Equinox, people have already been coming here for those, you know, two, three times a week. So it's already in the muscle memory to kind of come down heights and turn in and drive in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what, what we really want to do is sort of elevate the daily needs use here um, and bring in some great food and beverage and some great daily needs service oriented tenants, but not super high end, not hoity-toity, you know, the type of place you'll be three, four, or five times a week. That You know, the type of uh, restaurant you would feel just as comfortable going with a girlfriend for lunch or with your whole family for dinner or on a date. Like, th- that's that's the vibe we're trying to create and, and what we want. We don't want to, you know, overshoot. We don't want to make it this super precious. Yeah, you you're know. like speaking my language. So it's interesting. I mean, you've obviously studied the community. I mean, how do you come up with that formula? Well, so, I mean... Patrick and I think live in similar communities. I mean, that that's helpful, right? I think there are some uh, certainly uh, similarities between Wellesley, where Patrick lives, and Bethesda, where I live, and, and Darien, and, and certainly the other places we do business, Coconut Grove, wherever wherever it is. Um, so, in terms of you know demographics and education levels, and and it's not new to us, um, but we try to come spend time talking to residents and retail brokers and restaurant managers and and 
coming here every night of the week, you know, to see what the vibe is at different nights. Um, yeah, sounds I mean, like that, a good gig. I want a job there. <laughs> I know, I do, yeah, it is a good gig. Well, I mean, so that's my hard question for you guys. And I've actually um, given Patrick a hard time about this before. I'm like, how do you know what Darian wants if you guys don't even live here? And so, you know, tell people that, you know, because I drew you about this. Like, come on, Patrick. <laughs> sure. Do you want to? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think I hopefully answered part of that with, with you know, with that. I mean, we, we certainly uh, talk to, you know, uh, we know who's coming to Equinox. That's, you know, we're, we have great great relationship with them and we, and we have sort of what their draw is. And we talk to a lot of retail specialists that live in this market. Um, I, I honestly will stop and talk to people going to, you know, restaurants or the managers. And, and so we do our best job. Do we live here every day? No. Um, well, the thing is, you've got a hard, um, you know, at the same time, the model that people are used to around here is David Genovese, right? He's developing this large dairy in downtown project, and he's in front of all dairy residents all the time. He's interactive with them. And and I know just from being in this in this, very, this area with my, my board that most people don't do what David Genovese had done, you know, and talking to people and getting input. I mean, that's just like, what a pain in the butt. But he's out there. He's doing it. It's great. So yeah. and he's I was setting add, a new model for Darien. Uh, no question. And, 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 you know, we do also know some tenants that are not in this market that, you know, people here might not even know that they exist or, or like. So it's, I think it's a combination of yeah. what we, what we see and think has worked elsewhere that might work here. Yeah. And sometimes bringing the things that we don't even know we want yet. Right. Yeah, And look, we might not get it hundred percent. Right. Like I'm not sitting here and saying, you know, everything's going to resonate perfectly, but I think we have a pretty good sense of what we don't want to do, where, where the sort of sweet spot is, you know, um, and, and look, the retailers have to want to be here too. Uh, you know, right, right. and so and sure. so they see things and they do their own diligence and research. And so, talk to us about some of the the vendors that are coming in. Yeah, one thing that we've been really um, tenants, I should say, uh, happy about, or, or uh, and I think it's part of a broader conversation that we can have about post COVID Fairfield County in general, and I think how well positioned Fairfield is post COVID. And I know you know we, we you had a question about office, we can talk about and, and that um, co working things like that. But uh, we've had a lot of New York based tenants show interest here. Mm, um, interesting. And uh, so whether that's, you know, Van Leeuwen. A lot Leeuwen, of New York-based residents have shown interest here too. We got a lot of new <laughs> transplants. Right, right. A whole so, lot. So whether that's Van Leeuwen, who, you know, two of the founders are actually from Connecticut, so that, you know, they have some relationship here. But Van Leeuwen? Van Leeuwen Ice Cream uh, oh. so is a uh, unbelievable artisanal uh, ice cream spot from the city that Ooh, is coming great. I yeah. like that. Um, or Gregory's is, a, you know, who just opened in Greenwich is a city-based coffee shop. But, you know, I think that there's a... Is Gregory's coming here? Yeah. Gregor's they're going to take the uh, they're going to take the little out parcel or what we call the jewel box building on right on Heights. There's a 1,200 square foot building that's a standalone. Is that so, the one that's labeled like what is that thing on the on your frango chic on your drawings? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I was like what is that? Yeah, right. our, our fake tenant names yeah. are hilarious. Right. I laughed. Yeah. At they that. are funny. <laughs> that's um, a, that's a little building next to Citibank for people listening next to Citibank right across right. the Daring Train Station. Like, yep. Right yes. As you enter the site. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And this Thank is a good you. time too. What is your website address? Because people can look at this up and and check out the drawings and stuff. <laughs> DarianCommons.com. That, that, yeah, I think so. I looked it up yesterday. DarianCommons.com. Got it. <laughs> DarianCommons.com. Um, but so, uh, you know, I think that speaks to w what people's lifestyle changes may or may not be uh, as it relates to, you know, working from home more often. Or, or And so I think some of these tenants are, know that these are their customers in the city during the week and, and are really interested in coming closer to where they live. I and mean, to your point, I mean, you're uh, itself, I think, was the top five zip code of relocations out in New York during COVID, residential relocations. So I believe it. I, I think the, the retailers are hip to that too. And so we've had, you know, 
a lot of success with with that. And I hate to dance around topics, but actually that, that does bring up a hot topic in town now about the apartments and the capacity and like kids that are going to come in here. Sure. You have 122 apartments. How are those comprised? Like studios, one bedrooms, two bedrooms? So we're about 50% ones, 50, 50% twos. So there are no, there are no three bedrooms. Um, there are no studios as, as one traditionally thinks of a studio. Right. A couple of the one bedrooms we, we are, we've designed as lofts. Okay. So you could, one might call it a studio, but it's really a one bedroom. So of the one, 122 units, we get 50% ones, 50% twos, no threes. Um, Why is that? So we, so it's a great question. We, it's, it's different certainly than, than what David is doing and, you know, the limited amount of apartments that have been done here in town, whether it's Avalon uh, or otherwise, or even I think what the Palmers are doing. We, we think, we identified early on, and, and I'll go back, I think it's worth going back a little bit about how we sort of began to understand Darianne and, and therefore on how we plan this and how we mapped out what we want to do here. But um, we identified the, there is a demand from folks in Darianne for smaller units. And we spent some time over at Harbor Point and we spent some time at Atlantic Station in Stanford. And there are folks who have moved out of Darianne to the newer apartment buildings, some of the nice, nice apartment buildings in Stanford or even up in New, New Canaan mm-hmm. who are looking to downsize or don't need certainly as much space. Right. And they just can't find that here. Mm. And knowing sort of what David was doing, knowing what the Palmers were doing, we decided, okay, well, let's, let's not all do the same thing. Let's create some differentiation. And, and, and therefore, we arrived at these one kind of ones and twos. And even the twos, many of them are all showers. So as opposed to a bathtub, which uh-huh. for anybody who's got kids, if you don't right. have kids, you probably have no idea what that really, yeah, what the implication that's so that is. That's a big that's deal. So <laughs> if you've got three like me, you know that you need a you bathtub. Need a bathtub. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, even my, even my eight-year-old still wants to take a bath. So... Um, so we, wait, you don't have tubs in how many of these apartments? So I, you know, I actually don't know the exact number, but not all the twos. I do know that not all the twos have bathtubs. And, and that's, did, did you do that deliberately? We did that deliberately. Yes, because the market, we, we've got a couple market segments and certainly, and, and to be sure, we do think that there will be, you know, younger families here. Of course. Some with yeah. school age children. There's no question about it. But we did that deliberately because we do think that there is, a, a, you know, call it, you know, myself in, in 10 to 15 years. So uh, maybe late 50s and on market that is either, you know, single by choice, divorced, um, maybe a partner has passed away and is either from Darien or wants to live in Darien, but simply doesn't need all that space. Right. Nor are they looking for, you know, nor do they need, you know, a bathtub per se. And so that's a market that we've identified as, as having found apartments in surrounding communities, New Canaan and certainly Stanford. And we think that there's demand there. And therefore, we've, we've arrived at sort of a unit plan, a unit design that's, that's geared towards that market. Now, we certainly, and that's not to say we're not going to have school-aged children. I'm not trying to get away from that. We do have two-bedroom units and we do have bathtubs. And, and certainly, we do believe we'll have school-aged children. However, uh, the the folks that we think primarily are going to live here actually will will that market will not be a dominant market demographic that we see. Rather, the young families that we do think we'll see and that we're directing towards some of our two bedroom units are truly young families with infants who want to be in the town. Okay, who are starting out exactly who okay. want to move here for the schools and want to ultimately be here. But because your housing market is so tight, and it was four years ago when we originally designed it, it's even tighter now. We'll move here 
in order to really become part of the community and then rent for a year, maybe two, while they go find the bigger house to move into. Well, that's a good question too there, Patrick, about like how long your leases go. Maybe Stu, you want to answer that? I don't know. But um, how long are leases in this place? Because that changes the look of things. We typically, typically most leases are about 12 months. 12 months. So we don't okay. do a lot of short-term leases, okay. um, you know, meaning three, four, five, six months. Okay. Uh, the average lease is going to be about 12 months. Um, is there room for ownership here or just rental? It's just rental. Just rental. Just rental. And then what about the, you, you also targeted, um, I don't know, maybe I'm just inferring this from what you said, but it sounds like your, your market of the tenants that you're choosing to live here, young families starting out with, you know, toddler, infant, younger, or no kids. And then also you're jumping up to a retiree, like a mid middle-aged late age, or are you at like a retiree market? I, so not so, yes, uh, yes to a degree. So not, 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 we're, we're not chasing that market in on mass. You know, we're not looking for the family whose kids have actually graduated from, from Darien high school and moved out to college. And now they're downsizing. Yes. I think we'll have a product for that demographic, okay. but we're not necessarily basing all the decisions on that, but rather a demographic that's, uh, you know, call it, it you know, single, um, whether by choice or because of circumstance in life, uh, without kids, again, by choice or circumstance in life, and is looking to be in the town. Okay. And so that, that market, we went out and talked to, you know, we've talked to some of the, some of the property managers at the BLT projects in Stanford and, and Atlantic Station. I keep mentioning those two because we spent a lot of time there. They have found that demographic or, or people that fall into those buckets renting from them and kind of moving out of Darien because they simply can't find a place to live. And they would, right. otherwise, they would otherwise choose to live here if there was a rental product for them. Well, there's no question, right? There is a market there that wants that. But I know we've made this mistake before, I think, with Kensit, right? And you think that it's going to be this particular demographic, but then it's like, yes, there is demand, but there is a greater demand for families to get their kids into these schools. So is there By anything way, like... Some background what that is. Kensit is like a large bill that was done in the northwestern part of Daria, and it was larger, two to four bedrooms. Condos. And yes. it was meant yeah. for like retirees. Thought retirees want space when their kids come back from school and end up being like families it's it's like there's one bus or two buses that pull up and just load full of kids on sure. and they never never plan to have kids coming yeah. there at all and i and i would totally and i and i actually know the project and know certainly the the original thinking and then the end result there i think i i, I spent almost a little too much time talking about bathtubs i think that's a really interesting good, way yeah, that's yeah. a great point yeah. But our amenity package reflects that as well, right? So if you go to Avalon Darien, there's a lot of outdoor amenities there uh, that are geared towards families. Um, yeah. And they've done a great job. And I, I, I say that positively. I think they've done a great job of going after that demographic. And there's outdoor amenities for families and for kids to go expend energy. We don't really have that as part of our amenity package. Right. So we've got a you know very highly stylized sort of living room, library space, you know, areas for people to work from home. Um, we've, we've converted one of the smaller areas into what we call a hoteling unit. And it's not a hotel unit for the outside per se. Rather, if you're older and Joey or Susie is your daughter or your son and they're coming home from college or they want to visit, maybe they're out of college. Or Chad. Or Chad. <laughs> Chad comes home. From, from Nantucket. <laughs> Chad from Nantucket comes back. Uh, comes back. Uh, and you've only got a one bedroom or you've got a small, one of our two bedrooms, which isn't entirely large. There's a, there's a unit with a bed and a bathroom that our residents 
can effectively reserve for their guests. Yeah, that thing's gonna zip so up. So that is a again, it's a it, that's amenity and amenity. Not that's, that's a very cool amenity. Yeah. Not for a family. They could care less about a hoteling unit. They need space for their kids, for their kids' stuff, bathtubs, right. all of that. But actually, I, before I forget, like I have to ask this. Maybe it's an uncomfortable question. Like, is there a max capacity for an apartment? Like, if you get a two bedroom, and you have four kids. Like, some people will make that work because even without the outdoor amenities. I mean, most of these people are coming from New York City, right? Where there weren't outdoor amenities necessarily either. They just went to the local park and we have those. So it wouldn't be such a big stretch. Well, that's a, that's a good question. I don't, I don't think that there's a max capacity. And we certainly have never, I, I, I don't think in our apartment communities across the country, we have never limited the amount of people that can live in an apartment. Um, but we do think that the combination between how the unit is designed and the amenity package offered we're not going to see huge numbers of people, you know, kind of jamming into apartments per se. Patrick, do you guys, are you allowed to tell us what the price is on different apartments? Do you guys even know? Uh, it's, it's more the latter, meaning we don't necessarily know right now. And that's not because we're not studying the market. We study the market, you know, weekly and monthly. We track it. Um, you know, ultimately we'll set the pricing when we go to the market. So, okay. and to give you a little bit of window there, we think we'll start pre-leasing the apartments in probably the April, May timeframe of, of 20, this year, of this year, 2022 of, of 2022. It's weird to say for first move-ins over the summer. So wow. that's the, that's the sort of schedule that we're on. Okay. We'll set pricing, you know, when we go out to the market in April or May of this year, and, and we'll certainly, that'll evolve like it, like the residential market does on the for sale side. It'll just evolve with time and, and, you know, as demand, uh, ebbs and flows right now, I can tell you, you know, I can tell you what all of the comparable properties are that we pay attention to. If you're interested, it'd probably bore you. However, you know, if we were to go <laughs> yeah. to the market today, I think we're, we're starting in the low $3,000 a month range and, and going up from there for the one bedrooms for the one bedrooms. Okay. You know, but again, we're not going to have, you know, uh, the three bedroom or, you know, two and a half with the dens or anything like that, that Avalon right. has. And how does this differ on a residential front from the Corbin properties? Um, I think from the Corbin properties, they've got much large, David's got much larger units. And I know that he's... You mean and, by square footage or by rooms? Uh, like, I think both. Okay. But I, certainly no square footage. Okay. There's no question he's got bigger units there. Okay. Um, I think potentially by bedrooms, but I think it's mostly by square footage. Okay. Interesting. And I think, I think, and I think his, his thinking has evolved there a little bit as, as, as it has with the market. I think some of those will be rental and some will be for sale, as you probably know better than yeah, I do. I think I've heard that too. Yeah. But we'll, we'll have no ownership units. When you guys talk about um, the amenities and the utilities and how you're setting this up to draw mainly a certain audience, or that's the, the goal, um, I have two questions. Like, I feel like you've, you've done this before. Federal does this all over, and you guys have successful projects, and I want to kind of hear about that maybe later, but I want to ask directly now how that lends to who you're bringing in now from the uh, a retail side and how you're setting up this like synergy in this project to where it's like this kind of like an all-encompassing kind of like neighborhood for people living there? Is that kind of what it's like? Yeah. Uh, you know, Stu, I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> jump in here, Stu. <laughs> you know, I think we think through like what people do on a, on a daily and weekly basis, right? You know, they, they obviously are going to work out hopefully a couple days a week. Um, you know, we're, we're bringing in solid core, which, which I don't think we've announced, which is an awesome, um, boutique fitness studio. Uh, it's sort of a Pilates reformed. And so that'll be a great combination with people that are already um, coming to Equinox. So we're looking for really fit 50 year olds. 
Um, certainly having a, a great coffee option is not something we've had on this side, you know, uh, of town. And so that's uh, something people will come to with, with a regularity. You speak um, my language. Darian there. Donut might take offense at that. Yeah. Well, it's been a long, they've been gone for a couple yeah. of years now and we've got roost on this side of town, but like I can only hit roost so many days a week. I mean, they're sick of seeing me. <laughs> um, you know, and good smoothies. Nobody yeah, gets sick of you, Liz. Uh, and, and you know whether that's uh, fast casual, which which is not really exist in mass here. So Sweet Green's a great place that you know you can get a twelve dollar lunch. Um, what is Sweet Green? Sweet Green is a uh, actually DC founded, um, but now um, New York and, and LA based uh, fast casual um, uh, chain of restaurants that that is uh, salad based. I like uh, how you say fast casual. It's so it's so casual and fast. Fast casual. <laughs> meaning meaning no waiter waitress service. Love it. Uh, for, for those that aren't familiar with that term. Perfect. Would define? that be something like chopped in the city? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Sweet Green is is that's their you know one of their main competitors. Um, but we uh, we're big fans of Sweet Green and I think they'll do great here. They just opened in Greenwich um, very successfully. Mm-hmm. Um, Sounds cool. So yeah. I, I think it's just you know and then. Molto is a great, you know, full service restaurant from Fairfield. Um, kind of on the full service side, it's Italian, sort of red sauce, really fun bar. Okay. Um, and so, again, trying to think of like where where are people going to be in their day, you know, before they get on the train, before they drop their kids off at school, after they drop their kids off at school, when they get off the train, grabbing a quick dinner to bring home, wanting to meet a friend for a drink, like just trying to go through what a week is like and how can we make that right mix where they're not where they're helping each other out, not taking sales from each other and, and creating right, right. And I think we've done a really good job of that with really the the key tenant being convenience and sort of fitting into those daily and weekly needs. Convenience for like the area or convenience for like the tenants there or just... For the customer. For the, the, for the for, customer. For the Darien, you know, resident. I want to rewind like 30 seconds because you said a really important word, bar. And, um, <laughs> yeah. You kidding. think you were a booze um, bag. I don't, I've never seen you. Know, just kidding. I barely but see you drink. Pizzeria Malto, if they have a bar and it's open, how late will they be open? Because the people are living upstairs from that, right? Yeah. You know, well, I don't know that they've set their hours here specifically. I think that's, you know, will be unique to this location. And, and when, you know, they'll also figure out when business, you know, looks to me, it seems like most restaurants in Darien close at nine anyway, 830 or nine. Um, so, I, you know, we'll have to see what that market looks like for them and then make it. that decision. Um, Tartinery will have a, a bar component. Um, we're hopefully close that? to announce uh, another restaurant um, out on the front of Heights that will also have a bar. So there'll be a couple. Um, Tartinery is a, uh, a French cafe, also city based. Uh, it was founded in 2010 um, by this uh, awesome guy, Nicholas Dicko. He's a, uh, from France. He, he moved um, to New York to open this uh, cafe. It's, it's really based around sort of open-faced tartine sandwiches. Um, but it's got a great breakfast menu, lunch menu. Turns into a little bit more of a, a bar and dinner spot. Um, awesome wine list, great cocktails. Stu, when you were doing this and putting this, this thing together, did you also think about what's coming in with, you know, it's, I think when we first talked about these projects, sorry, let me back up, Palmer's, Federal, you guys, and David Genovese, they weren't all supposed to come together at the same time. They, they seem to all be building at once. And that's what's kind of, it's, it's, it's funny and it's overwhelming. But so when you're doing this, is it evolving like to what's in downtown Darien, what Dave's doing, or maybe what Palmer's is doing? I know they're a little bit behind, but like, yeah, how much you know, coordination? We, yeah, like there's, you know, two Italian residents in town. Does that affect how many Italian residents you're going to bring in? Like, we you know, we don't have a sports bar in town. We don't have a Mexican restaurant. We lost one. We have a new one coming now that just was announced six months ago. Like, how does that play into your decisions here and what? Sure. I mean, we definitely focus on cat- some categories that that are not represented. Okay. Um, like what? Uh, well, there's not French, French Cafe, you know, I think was a good one. Uh, there's not, like, Darien Donuts closed. There's not a great coffee shop. You know, Roost is here, but, but another one. Um, certainly, Boutique Fitness was, was something that we were focused on um, okay. and, and figuring out how that would work out with our own tenant with Equinox and how they work together. Are there any clothing retail type? 
Uh, I think we'll see some of those. Those tend to come a little later in the leasing process. Um, Once they see like all the other like restaurant stuff or is that you just... Is that like deliberate? Like they hold out or you guys fill those in once you've got like your anchor tenants and stuff? Uh, we, we view food and beverage as a really important sort of collective anchor. Um, and so we like to sort of set those first. They take the longest time to get their plans done and kind of figure out where we have the ability to exhaust them and things like that. So those tend to be the earlier um, ones we lock down on the plan. Um, and a lot of the, the more sort of local apparel and, and gifty stores also uh, like to see the building built a little bit more. So it's a little harder to lease, you know, to them off of a, off of a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Um, the food and beverage guys usually a little bit more, um, quick to, to kind of understand how things are going to lay out. And when will all the tenants for the retail places, when will they open at the same time? It'll be sort of a rolling opening starting, you know, call it third quarter of this year into spring of next year. Okay. Um, you know, it's, it's impossible to try to hit a grand opening with, you know, everyone's permitting and build out times and so, so it'll be one at a time kind of as they're ready it'll be you know probably three here two here one four you know and and our marketing team will do a really good job of sort of getting out in front of what's opening so people know what they're coming to see and it, i actually think it builds more excitement that way than trying to drop it all at once because you get to kind of know the tenants as they open yeah and your anchor tenants by the way like we talked about this um earlier Caroline, before we came on here today Walgreens would be considered an anchor tenant, sure. right? Which is done. They've been open now for maybe a year. Right? April yeah, of last. Yeah, that's okay. right. Yeah, we, we were really happy with how that turned out. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah it is. It's really popular. Um, and then, what's your other uh, anchor tenant? Can you announce? Uh, so we we're not announcing yet what we're doing in that um, in that space. Come uh, on, Stu. But again, you know, <laughs> this it's, guy it's, a drink. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> loose lips sink ships. <laughs> I, Make I more do, editing for Taylor. We really do. <laughs> I like view, it. Keep pushing them. We really do view the the food and beverage as a, as a collective anchor. Um, so it might be a food and beverage anchor. Can anchor tenant be food and beverage? It could be that. But my suggestion is that the food and beverage that we've already signed together, I think, is another is a yeah. third anchor, yeah. existing anchor. That's a big space. We're talking about the one that's closer to Edgerton Road side. It do, and again, that's just it, it doesn't necessarily need to lay out in that B1. configuration. Oh, okay. So Got it. Do you need like another anchor tenant like as part of this project? No. No. So to your point, again, food and beverage you pulled together, that's like your second anchor, that combination. Yeah. And would you lease to like a service provider or is it only retail food and beverage? No, I, we would definitely, we will lease to service providers and we're talking to some. Okay. Um, so I, I, again, I think, you know, anything that you kind of need to do on a regular basis. Yeah, like Verizon Wireless in, or New Break I Fix or any of those kinds of things. Or are we talking like higher end? I think probably a little bit more polished than that, but but still like very much something that is a necessity that people need to do, but done in a in a more polished way around other things they're already doing. Um, it, again, it just, we, we th- this is not a special trip. We want this to be, just part of like that, that kind of third place people are going to when they leave their home because they've got six things they need to do there. So how about this long, if you're talking long run, if some, or you know, say Taylor? Yeah, go ahead. No, Cause I'm going to jump a bit from this. I was going to ask about green space. I thought there was green space Wait, in this project. But can we go back to it. that? Yeah. Let's, uh, let's go to that then in a bit because I want to ask about how that developed with COVID. Let sure. me stay on this trail. Um, in like, let's say you bring in Tartine and then a year from now they're like, Oh, we're not successful in this location for whatever reason. They decide they want to pull. Are is federal actively? Is it active leasing agent here that, that comes in and you find another good fit for them, or how do you replace tenants moving forward long run? I mean, we own our properties long term, so this okay. is we're, we're so we're long term holders. Seeing you a real- lot of used to, <laughs> <laughs> and all. I mean, and Patrick and I. I mean, we take a lot of pride in these projects, so. Uh, no, no one wants this to be more successful than me, you know, other than maybe Patrick. <laughs> you know, um, we, we've, we've, you know, 
sweat and, and worked really hard on this. Um, and so you know, it's, it is a retail is an evolution and we can talk about the broader retail evolution if you want to, but, but so this is not going to look the same way in three, four or five years. That's right. just the natural yeah. evolution of retail. Um, and so we, we need to take data as we learn, you know, what's working, what's not working and, and continue to kind of morph it. And that's, that's part of the fun of this business is it's never done. It's not like you just yeah. put it down and it's done. It's like a constant. Cool. Uh, and, Sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, we also design and build the buildings for that evolution. So we've got infrastructure. So you use Tartine. I'll use a, I don't know, call it any of the fitness concepts that you talked about. If they were to go out after a year, we've got infrastructure in the building such that if a restaurant wants to go into what was originally a clothing store or fitness concept, we've got the capacity for venting and for power and for gas to convert that space so that we're not having to retrofit the building or go through units or do something dramatic or Smart. really cost um, really expensive. So we design, we design for that evolution as a long-term owner and operator of this stuff. We're the new kid on the block in Darien now, but this, this should be, and this should be a federal reality property for our lifetime. So Smart. I really still hope you guys bring me Mexican bar. Please, for God's sakes, bring me Mexican. Yeah, I mean, what, what, give me, give me your top five <laughs> missing pieces here. Uh, yeah. I'll give you my top two Mexican and sports bar, my friends. Right. I mean, Darien has no Sports bar? Do we? Am I? Am I overlooking? We had one. No, we've we've it, identified that as a. Okay. What does that mean, Stu? Talk, come on, break it down. Identify. Just bring it to me. It's clear to us that that doesn't exist either. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I like where you think. I've never thought about what was missing here. Oh, I hey, think what do you think? I don't know. I got to think about that because. Oh, I thought you were going to have like a you know list well, of twenty. I, ice 20. cream. Ice cream was a big one. I'd love like a donut shop. I don't know, like co a coffee shop. I wouldn't mind two coffee shops. You know, because everyone like you know, uh, coffees are very particular. You know, I think they're. I think they a few of those rising Everyone's rising tide lifts all ships there. Yeah, um, I mean, good dining is definitely the thing. I feel like we're missing. You know, the, salad the, the thing I like say, okay, maybe I'm going to go to New Canaan instead. But I mean, we have you know some better ones now, and I'd love to see more of them, more options. Yeah. You know, what'd be cool too, by the way, is uh, when I was down in Key West. I mean, I think it's I think it's a fad, but the um, the um, IV stores. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's, I think it's a total fad and does nothing. But I don't know. I could see a What's young an market. IV store. They have them a lot in the South. Where after it's a hangover bar, basically you okay. go and you get IV put in you to like rehydrate yourself. And they're huge in the South. And I feel like with this young demographic, go for it. That, that is not on our hit list today. <laughs> uh. But Darien's a big drinking town. We got bars everywhere. But there are uh, there's a lot of innovation going on. It seems with like different retail. I mean, the there's the stretching place Limber. Right? Like, oh yeah. I would never have thought to do that, but so that's cool. pretty cool. Yeah, it's a really um, cool place. You know, it's a, it's a cool time. I mean, a, a lot of uh, internet brands are realizing that they need retail, right? So, which has been sort of a, a great thing to see. So that kind of started with Warby Parker, right? But, you know, and I think we all, we can talk about COVID and its impacts, but for two or three weeks in COVID, we got to see what a truly online only life looked like and it sucked, mm -hmm. you know? And so I think it's made people really... Yeah, want to interact with, with yeah um and and retailers you know that are online based it, it's really expensive to get customer acquisition uh and it's much cheaper actually to open a store and, and interact with customers that way and it's also really expensive to ship stuff to people so unless you're an amazon who loses money on shipping yeah uh it's really hard so we're seeing a lot of um you know online instagram brands or what you know whatever they are realize they need bricks and mortar to, to have a long life, you know, not be a flash in the pan, have build loyalty with their customers. And so that's been a really cool, that was already sort of happening, but it's been a really cool impact of COVID. 
And and that proves out in a lot of the numbers too, right, Stu? You know this better than I do, but say, you know, Warby Park, you hear a lot about when Warby actually opens a brick and mortar store and they were they were born online, but when they open a brick and mortar store, their their activity online in that area goes up. Mm. So yeah. it's, it's a, yeah. They call it the halo, you know, effect. Sure. Oh, Makes I just thought another one, a dog bar, a place you can bring your dog. Those are super popular. So we, we actually <laughs> opened one at Pike and Rose, you should look it up, called Bark Social, that's, that's got 20 about, beers like, on tap. A place for you to go, or like to clean up the dog? What do you do there? No, she's talking, or she can <laughs> let her dog run around while she drinks, I think is what. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You, bring, yeah. Wow. you take your dog, you drink, and the dogs run wild, they it's, play. And, again, innovation. No, that, that is actually happening in a lot of places. You need a lot of space for it yeah um but it's it's really cool and, and the like one a we, dog referee when do they start fighting what who de- who deals with that they it, they have bark rangers at the one we oh, come on let's go squirt brawl pull that great now my <laughs> son's got a job yeah. all right talk about green space we were gonna do that sure yeah yeah we um and and it's you know and a lot of the the mixed use environments that we've in fact not a lot all of them we build some amount of green space or open space however you want to classify that you know we typically kind of throw it out as open space so there's a couple moments around the development. Uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit quickly about the, you know, call it the private green space. So along West, where we were really trying to step the scale of that building down and to break up the massing. Uh, indeed, it's a long building. Yeah, it's, hard to get, it's big and it's, high. It is. And it's hard, it's hard to get around what it is. Um, but we, we both... We, we, we really stepped the massing and we varied, you know, the, the facade of the building, you know, where we pulled it back meaningfully from the road in order to kind of break up that scale so it wasn't quite Im- so imposing along west. And in the, that, those sort of, you know, it breaks, call them, we've got three outdoor roof decks or roof terraces for residents. Oh, one, wow. one is a shared, is part of the amenity experience. Um, and then the other two are be private for those residents that live on in those spaces, and they're they're meaningfully large. They're about three or four thousand square feet apiece. Um, but in terms of public open space, so there's a couple moments on the property. We were actually moments. Um, I like that moments, Patrick. It's a good word. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have to use that more. It's I, think a good I, I think I just, it just came to me as well, I was talking about it. It's beautiful it. if you think about a moment. You're creating a yeah. moment for someone. They're stopping and and, and right having a moment. <laughs> no, a hundred percent. Actually, now, now you're actually, and you're right because that is what it, we, we try to create places where people want to be moments. Mm-hmm. So entirely, I love it. Yeah, um, space making, space making. There um, we go. Now we're bringing Tier back in. <laughs> totally. uh, so along Naroton, if you remember the old prison paint shop, right behind Chase, across from the gas station, next to there's an there was an auto body store that was there. So we're creating uh, right along Naroton, we're creating a park there. So we demoed the building that was there. There was a single family house behind it. So we raised both those buildings and we've connected the 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 call it the mixed use development that we've got to Naroton with a park. So those, there's a park along the road. It's under construction now. So if you drive by it today, oh, all you're going to so see neat. is a couple excavators and, and guys literally pulling rock out of the out of the earth. Huh. Um, but that'll be a park there, um, so that folks can feel free to you know walk down into the site and vice versa. Um, along uh, in the site itself, um, we've created a moment or a space right along Heights, in between where Gregory's Coffee is going to go, the 1,200 square foot what we call jewel box building across the train station, right uh, across the station, okay. right across from the train station, and in between that building and the actual main L-shaped building, which is what you, if you drive by there today, you'll see the steel and the wood framing going up in the L-shaped building along Heights next to Vivala's. Um, we've c- created a, both open and green space down along Heights. 
that, you know, with three staircases that step up into the development and into the project and in between Gregory's and the L-shaped buildings, a meaningfully sized space where we'll we'll have planting, uh, several outdoor water features, we'll have overhead lighting, um, and ideally to get the tenancy on both sides, the coffee shop and what we hope will be a restaurant tent along Heights, to, to design their spaces, to be able to open up, open doors, open windows, and spill out into that area so that you've got private dining happening along those spaces that activate it. But at the same time, we'll have tables, chairs. It'll be public. It'll be open. So that think of Grove Street Plaza, actually. That's maybe the best example of it. The Grove right, Street Plaza right. where you've got neat on one side and the melting pot on the other. Uh, it's a, it'll be a much bigger space than that. And, and quite a bit longer to draw folks into the property. And then in front, all of our sidewalks are meaningfully large um, so that we can incorporate. So, you know, you're going anywhere between 15 and 20 feet on all of our sidewalks surrounding the buildings so that it's not sort of the convenient sidewalk that you're used to when you drive up to any sort of grocery anchor retail center, but rather meaningfully sized dimensions so that we can get street plantings, we can get trees, we can put tables, we can put trash cans, we can do outdoor dining, all of that, and still leave a meaningful amount of space for people to walk along the sidewalk so that it's inviting and it doesn't feel like this sort of utilitarian sidewalk where you're just, you're getting out of your car and you're running down the sidewalk to get to the store, to get in and then to get out. Will all of the food, you know, operations have access to outdoor dining? Yes. Okay. Yes. And we actively encourage that, and the you know, in the in the properties that Stu referenced earlier that we've got up in you know whether it's in Wellesley, we uh, we've got a development there, whether it's Coconut Grove down south of Miami or in Bethesda, we 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 work with not only actively encourage the restaurateurs to spill out onto the sidewalk, but we push them on their design of their storefronts in order to incorporate elements that open up to that sidewalk area, so that right. it creates. You know, a design that actually reinforces the the, the connection to the open uh, open area. Patrick, did your design change with COVID at all? Did, in the last two years, have you guys rethought some of these spaces? Uh, I mean, Still? I think I think outdoor dining was already a popular thing, but I think it's I think the shoulder season people the seasons for outdoor dining I think right. are really expanded. Right. So did it change that? Yeah, did it change your design? Because I mean, from our board, we I, I remember I was pushing you guys about y- utilizing your parking lot a little better instead of just being a large asphalt one, like doing more stuff out there to where it's. Yeah, yeah I think there's um, a spot or trends. two where we've looked at expanding some pa- cafe seating and, and actually losing a space or two to, to make it you know um, and are significant. There any overhang solutions that would shield from weather or provide an act like you could plug a heater in or anything like that? I know some of our tenants want to explore some of that stuff. We'll have to see how much, how, what the town's flexibility is on some of the, you know, fire pits and <laughs> things like that. Um, but it's certainly something that's been mentioned. Um, yeah. I, so I think we're, our cafe areas were already really critical to us, but I think as much as we can expand them. And I think Patrick's point on wherever one of the walls of the restaurant can feel like it op- it opens, whether that's, you know, a garage door that goes up right, or right. accordion doors, yeah. just to let some fresh air. Like that really, I think is, was Very already, a, it already felt great, but I yeah. think it's just in people's minds subconsciously now too, to, to have that airflow. So um, this plan like didn't change with COVID. I mean, COVID, you guys, what, what's there is like through COVID, you already had a plan that I think our outdoor seating, new our, our outdoor seating is probably larger than it was. Oh, okay. um, but I think we, we were already a little ahead of the curve because we've seen how successful outdoor seating is in, in our other projects to, to make sure that it was a critical piece here. Mm. And Stu, I'll ask this as a question, um, but fair to assume, and I've, I've thought this, so I don't know it for sure, and you haven't said it, but fair to assume too that with the the amount of folks who have 
not only sort of the natural migration sometimes out of the city is towards Darien, but COVID accelerated that. So a lot of the retailers that you've got that we've secured are from the city are chasing their customer base. Sure. Because they've already got that that, that, that sort of the muscle memory. Has that accelerated? I guess is that a is that a trend that I'm making up and giving to you, or and is did it accelerate during COVID? If it's actually something that's real, uh, no, it's not something you're making up, and I think it definitely did accelerate. Um, you know, I think one of the sort of unresolved um, long term effects of COVID is also how people work, right? Um, sure. And I and I I don't think that's fully figured out yet, but I think it's clear everyone's sort of revisiting their sort of work life balance. Um, and, and clearly, I think our tenants are, you know, aware of that and are, are wanting to be closer to where people live because they're not going to change where they live. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, something like Darien becomes a, such an attractive place to live. It already was. But if I need to go to the city two days a week or one day a week where I was going four or five before and I can now, you know, either work from home or get some cool other place to work three days a week and I can be home for my, you know, kids basketball game and I can stay home for, you know, have breakfast with my kids before I go in. I mean, that's a pretty amazing lifestyle to be that close to the finance center of the world and the cultural center of, you know, the U S and, um, but have a little bit more time to, you know, to not waste two hours protecting on, you know, every day of the week going somewhere. So Mm -hmm. certainly that's helped the residential side. It's helped with the tenants we're, we're having here, not just here. I mean, in a lot of our properties, as you know, but where are your other properties? Like for the record, like can you just list those and if sure. people want to look them up and I, you guys talk about them being successful. And I also, cause my second part of that question is what does successful mean to federal? Sure. So, I mean, we have, we have 106 properties. Um, 106. Yeah. So they're, they're, and, and Darian's they're, one, the size of this Darian is one. Yeah. And, and those properties are, you know, everything from an assembly row, which Patrick and I work on, which is a, you know, massive mixed use project in, in Boston to, you know, a, a grocery anchored a center. Um, so it's, they're not, they're all different sizes. Right, right. Um, wow. And it's, uh, you know, coastal focused, uh, Boston through Miami, Northern California through Southern California. Okay. Um, we did just buy some stuff in Arizona as well. I, you know, I think the corollaries to this project, um, Wildwood Shopping Center is a great one to look at, which is in Bethesda, um, right. Right, right near where I am. Linden, which Patrick referenced, which is in Wellesley, Linden Square. Okay. Um, we just completed um, a redevelopment of Cocoa Walk, which is in Coconut Grove. Okay. Um, which turned out really, really well. Which Where is, is Coconut Grove? It's yeah. it's in Miami, South Miami. Oh. Um, really, really a fun one to look at. Tim um, doesn't get out much. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, those those are the ones. I mean, yeah. I think Wildwood and, and Linden are probably the closest um, to sort of having DM. some of the same okay. DNA as this. Um, and then success. Like I, I hear you guys use that word all the time, and I'm just curious what it means to you guys. Like, I think... Success for us is, is a you know a place where our merchants are are doing great business and the community is really accepting of of the center and again as I mentioned earlier those things they're like completely linked right so it's not like our merchants aren't going to do be, be doing really well while the community hates them because they wouldn't that wouldn't happen um, and so I, I think success for us is is sort of meeting the community's needs uh, in a way that creates you know great business for our merchants. Um, I got questions about. Like, and, go ahead, Pat. Yeah. yeah, I would. I would say too that you know, obviously, there's there's financial success, but I think ultimately, um, and, and this financial success actually, I think, falls under this, the the idea that um, it, it's a place that endures and ends up being what anybody would call a neighborhood or part of a neighborhood. So I was on a I was at a planning hearing the other night on, on Zoom um, in the city of Somerville, which is north of Boston, where we've got this community assembly. Um, we dealt a couple million square feet and the, uh, someone from the planning office said, well, 
it referenced um, the, you know, call it the development project that we've been redeveloping there for about 10 years as a neighborhood. And that to me, I texted everybody else at our company who was on the phone or on the Zoom call at the same time. And I said, and I, I, I just wrote the word neighborhood into the text and sent it to everybody. Uh, the obvious implication being that this is something that now feels like it's part of the fabric and that's going to endure and it's it's been here and is going to be here. I think that ultimately is, in my mind, I guess personally, and I think that if, you know, here at Federal, that is our definition of success. Oh, that's so neat. And, you know, a couple of things you said about delivering, you know, what the, the clientele needs. I don't even know which one to go with first. You mentioned grocery when we lost Stop and Shop. Will there be any grocery in here at all? I know we have Palmer still, which is great. Yeah, I think we're still trying to figure out what the right mix there is. It seems like there's some, like, home meal replacement. Like, there's, like, some specialty stuff that I feel like would be really interesting here. Um, so I don't know the full answer to that. I think it's still something we're, we're okay. kind of exploring. And then as far as who the clientele is, I have to wonder now, because it is going to be such a change, no offense to anybody that is currently a tenant in that area, but when the train stops at Neroten Heights, like it's a whole different experience now. Like you might come up from the city for the day because it is an experience that there's a green space and you can eat and you can do all these things and it's really pleasant and get back on the train and go back home. Like how much did you guys plan on train traffic? I think we viewed it less that way and more as, uh, you know, an amenity for our immediate resident and obviously the people that live in and around it as a connection point to, you know, places that they are going to work and stuff. Um, So I think it's a great driver of... um, sort of residential appeal here. Um, it's easy for some employment reasons too, for some of our tenants that are New York based. It's a, it's a fairly easy way to get out here to, you know, it's an easy place to jump from the city as a retailer and, and you know, yeah. manage it. Um, so I don't know that we viewed it as like a, a, I haven't at least viewed the train as like a place people are gonna come get off and like explore that's not part of their sort of, you Regular know, routine. routine. Mm-hmm. Um, Patrick, what you were saying about uh, the definition of a success and what that means to you? That was really well said. Um, Thanks. <laughs> I'm kind of thinking on that a little further, and I kind of wanted to ask you two part question for that. I want to know how it's been working with our PNZ department here in Darien. Sure, I work closely with them, and I, I love those guys, and I have a lot of respect for the work they do. And I'm curious what it's been like as an outsider to kind of develop that synergy, right? Because you want all, you know, as you said, everyone to be happy and working together. And uh, the second part of that is about like you know the residents being happy here and enjoying the. Um, Except the of the uh, of the site at large, so I was going to ask you like if you guys will do anything special going forward long term of like sort of like holiday lights or um, concerts at the park or a farmers market stuff like that to make the space you know more interactive and just give it that kind of developing feel. So sure, big questions for you. Yeah, no, no, all great questions. I'd actually echo what your your feelings of, of PNZ. I would I would totally echo those, and we've we've now gone through you know several changes there. Uh, PNC is planning and zoning. For planning and zoning commission. I don't know if we said that. <laughs> no, we did a good job. In <laughs> um, Olvaney, who's the current chair, and John Cini was the chair. Olvaney was on it uh, on the commission when we went through the permitting process. Uh, John Cini was the chair then. Um, you know, fantastic, uh, kind of unconditionally fantastic. You know, Steve, uh, he he works in real estate. Um, so he's, he's really, uh, you know, he's, he's understands the fine grain, not just details, but the complexities that need to be balanced on, a, on any sort of development project, whether big or small, um, which is, which is great kind of at a base level minimum. I think why, what, what I, what I most appreciate 
is the willingness to roll up the sleeves, to have a conversation, to jump on a phone call, to to meet, to to kind of interact on email, to kind of think through, um, uh, you know, issues that need to be dealt with. And the availability and the accessibility is is incredible. I mean, we do, you know, as Stu said, we've got 106 properties across the country. The accessibility of the folks, you know, the Planning and Zoning Commission, the, you know, Jeremy Ginsburg in the planning office, um, Fred in the planning office, uh, Jamie, is, is really at a level that, it, you know, we don't see all that often. You know, in, in the municipalities and the cities and the towns that we, you know, where we work, That's a great it's story. incredible yeah, how accessible those folks are on a voluntary and, job, right? All on a voluntary job, right, right? And that's what's amazing about it is that yeah. these folks are volunteering their time, and and not only they're accessible because you can tell it's evident they're passionate. We talked to Steve. He's passionate about real estate. He's right. passionate about real estate again at base level. He's passionate about the town. Right. He wants. Darien to be a great place. He's, I think he's lived here all of his life. Um, or at least I know he's got family here and yeah. I know he's been here a long time. Yeah. He wants this town to be awesome and he are, are great. And, and so he sees anybody, I think, I don't think it's just us. I, I, in fact, I know it's not just us. Anybody who's trying to do anything in the town as, Hey, how can I be a resource? How can I help? And sometimes we have hard conversations. It's right. not to say everything, not not everything. In fact, we we went for a fourth story. We fought very hard for a fourth story. Uh, economically, you know, we had to make some decisions about the redevelopment. We couldn't get that. So we've had hard conversations. But the fairness um, that the 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 PNZ Commission today and the PNZ Commission that we saw when we went through it the yeah. first time. Um, the accessibility, the, you know, the passion is, is really remarkable. Taylor, I like hearing this, by the way, because I, what's that face? We're probably thinking the same thing. Well, I just, I think there's a lot of, uh, scrutiny. Our PNZs, I don't know, maybe not, now they're looking really, no. Okay, I think so our, it was different, but okay. that's okay. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of scrutiny, a lot of sitting from the sideline. I know a lot of people are calling this project mammoth. People are pretty nervous about it. I'll just be blunt with you guys. Sure. And it's nice to hear, like, and I have a little insider perspective on this and working uh, in, in a, a board with PNZ. I mean, these guys do work their butts off and it is voluntary time and they're working the best for the town. And I know like, it's just good to hear that you guys are as clients are having the same perspective as like, as I am. And when people are like jumping on saying PNZ may have not gotten this right or done this wrong. Like, I mean, they're all trying their best, right? Everyone's trying to do their yeah. best for the town. It's a really know. tough well, job. I mean, I realize how, you know, how important, how difficult it is to be in planning and zoning. And, you know, they are, I hate to use the word gatekeepers, but they they will determine the feel of the town, right? Yes or no. They they have those tough conversations. They sit in meetings for hours and hours, um, kind of like the Board of Ed. I mean, it's just thankless. And, uh, you know, I'm glad you're having a good experience with them. What I was thinking earlier was <laughs> that, like, you know, I, I love hearing that testimony to the passion that Steve has. And I know so many other, you know, local officials do. John people who, had. Yeah, exactly. I mean, people will volunteer the time, but that's exactly, again, I hate to be a broken record, why we do the podcast, right? Like, this is such a unique community and that people are so passionate about it. I love the thoughtfulness you guys have brought to this project. So thank you. I mean, it's glad, I'm glad to hear that all of these things have been considered when it is such a massive project. It's really going to redefine Darien. So, yes, um, so how are you guys doing that? I feel confident after talking to you. Thank you for taking the time. Of course. Sure. And it, I, I would add, just to add to that too, you know, um, it's, it's worth mentioning. And uh, it's no surprise that you have a guy like David Genovese here either. You know, a lot of folks here in the town, when we first kind of got here in 2014, said, oh, we're unique. It's a special place. It's different. And 
you know, I, my thought going in was we hear that everywhere we go and everybody says we're unique and different, but the, the passion that Steve has and, and John had and Jamie had, um, uh, it is is remarkable. David Genovese, I think, is also really yes. remarkable yeah. at a at a again at a base level. He knows real estate. He understands um, complex development. There's no question about it. But the 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 genuine, authentic love that he has is yeah, is also not something we run into. I mean, we again we do this all over the country. We see a lot. We talk to a lot of small property landlords, small property owners, big ones, big companies like ours. David is unique and and in the best possible way for the town. It's 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 pretty special that a town has a guy like David doing what he's doing in their downtown. Could you guys, by the way, go back to what I, the second part of a question that we we got so lost sure. in a good way about um, ongoing like you know yeah. customized things for the site? Yeah. So oh, sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, so. we we have a really awesome marketing team um, that looks at all different kinds of events, um, and none of them are the same. You know, it depends on the center. It also depends a lot on the tenants. So we try to figure out ways our tenants can, you know, like I could see Equinox doing amazing classes outside here, for example. Um, we've done mommy and me stuff that's really fun where, you know, you, you have the strollers and the babies and you go for kind of walks and different merchants do different things as you go. Certainly tree lightings and things like that. So we really want this to feel like sort of, again, that third place that people come and, you know, maybe there is three or four events that they look forward to every year that they come here for. And so I can't tell you exactly what they're going to be yet here because a lot of them are merchant tied into but, but it is do, a huge do, part of what you do, we do do ongoing like stuff and so how do people like contact you about that if like you know if i'm walking in a bit is there a suggestion box like old school <laughs> well i mean we'll have an instagram page that you know we'll start to get really going cool. going certainly the website has contact information for everyone um okay yeah I like Fantastic. that. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. And as we wrap up here, I just want to recap. So some new tenant announcements that we can hit people with and surprise them with. What were those? Yeah. So Tartinery. Cool. Uh, solid Core. And Oath Pizza. Um, and, and we can get you guys those websites and, and put them out as well. So awesome. Very cool. All right. Awesome. Got to wrap it up. You're right, Taylor. No kidding. But man, that was like action packed. Thank you so much. For Thank you guys for having us. And for the thoughtfulness that you put into this project. I look forward to experiencing it soon. Taylor will see you at the bar, apparently. But <laughs> we'll be there. Okay. We'll be there. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.